Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we are going to answer your questions today. <laughs> but first, I have a question. Oh, do you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Um, the last week is... Uh, so when this episode goes out, I will have already been back to work like all you normies. But uh, Ugh. Um, as of this recording, it is very close to the end of my big, long three and a half week break. Yeah. It's been so nice, but it's uh, it's just flown by. Right. Yeah. I've gotten a lot done, like mm-hmm. a lot done. But before the break started, I went and I, I wrote out a list of stuff I wanted to get done during this break, and I've gotten none of it done. I've done all sorts of other stuff, but uh, <laughs> so we I mentioned it last week, but we did our we started our actual play yeah. podcast. Now the podcast isn't out; it won't be out for some time. But we recorded a big long session. I've yep. separated it into the first six episodes. Um, I'm going to be editing it over the next couple months, and then um, I started another podcast with. Our friend Steve. Right. Again, that probably won't see the light of day for some time. Yeah. Because the episodes have ended up so incredibly long. <laughs> um, but should, I, should I say what that is or? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Because so, like, you know, it, it's only going to be so many people who know what it is. I guess. Yeah. So I, our, our patrons, I already mentioned this too in a, our uh, bonus episode in December. Right. But I, there was a, an old 90s, in 1995, there was a, uh, Thriller, drama, suspense, TV show. Yeah. Um, on UPN. So like, you know, just a very you know uh, not the most popular network, but sure, a, sure. It was a a thriller, suspense, suspense TV show on UPN, starring Bruce Greenwood called Nowhere Man. Mm-hmm. The premise behind it was that Bruce Greenwood plays Thomas Vale, a photojournalist who he like took a photo of uh, a public execution in like. Guatemala or something like that. Um, that's like being watched over by a bunch of army men. And so he took a photo and it's part of this like big exhibit he's doing. And for, for reasons that have yet to be established, uh, the, some sort of shadowy organization has erased him as a result of him taking this photograph. And I guess their motivation is to get the photograph or destroy the photograph. I'm not entirely sure, but he is on the run. He's running from this, whatever this organization is, he's trying to get his life back, trying to find out why people are after him and so on. Um, so we we started a, a podcast on this, about this show. Uh-huh. And the, the episodes themselves, you know, the first episode is a bit long, longer than the rest, but the, uh, the episodes are, you know, normal, like hour long with commercials episodes. And we, we've made three episodes of this so far, and each one has been about four hours because we just, I mean, there's a lot for us to talk about. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And like our thoughts on the show, although I do like the show, I watched it back when it was on. I showed it to Steve, showed him like the first half of it, maybe the first half of the, the show. It only had one season, but I showed like the first half of the season to Steve a long, long time ago. And he doesn't really remember much of it, but I really, I really like it. He has a much more critical viewpoint than I do. Sure. That being said, we both point out a lot of good things and a lot of bad things as yeah. we go through this. So I don't I don't think this podcast is going to have an audience when it comes out. <laughs> sure. This was not the most popular show. Like I said, it only had one season and uh it you know, it's like you can't even buy DVDs for it. It's, you can watch it on YouTube, I guess. Oh, okay. But 
I don't think anybody is going to be like, oh man, my favorite TV show, Nowhere Man. <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe some people that listen to us would be interested in listening to this and watching the show along with it. Yeah. But then the episodes are are going to be so long, even with edits, mm. they're going to be really long. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. And like, yeah, if you guys enjoy listening to Gabe talk, like this would be a good way to do sure, it. Sure. And then sure. our, our friend Steve is he he has some marvelous discussions. Yes. Uh, I I'm the one I criticize more of like the uh like oh that was a weird line reading or you know where's the scene where they explain this that that happened between these two things or whatever steve is like well you know the structure of this episode is like the first act of a play and so on and so on so he's more about like the writing um, sure. i have some criticism about the writing too but like my my criticisms and and praises as well are more about like the minute to minute you know did you see that look on his face or why did that hotel room have a chandelier you know stuff like that <laughs> so uh yeah, i mean like steve is basically a, a professional editor at this yeah, point yeah. so like he, you know he's like he, yeah he kind of dives into it that way right so i um steve has been telling me like whenever this does go out don't try to th- don't try to describe it as oh it's like a review or whatever um instead just describe it as like it is a a deep dive into this tv show <laughs> because again Four hours per right. episode. Yeah, the 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 episodes Ugh. are only an hour each, so yeah, they go into it for four hours. I originally my idea, my hope was to record it in such a way that it doesn't need a lot of editing, but like the first few episodes, especially because like Steve's never podcasted before, sure. So the first few episodes are definitely going to need some some editing, but. Eh. Anyway, we'll see. And then in addition to that podcast, we've you and I have been meaning to, we haven't been able to actually find the time to, yeah. uh, been meaning to make a, a similar but not as long-winded podcast right, yeah. about the 90s cartoon Mighty Max. Yeah, I, I have a feeling those will be much, much shorter episodes. Much shorter, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, because, I mean, like, the, there's, a, there, there's a lot that happens in, in the show, mm-hmm. like, because, like, it's, it's just such a small amount of time. It's like, they're 20-minute you know, 20 minute episodes, yeah. standard, you know, cartoon length or whatever, but sure. you know, they, they throw a lot in there and they, they kind of get things moving pretty quickly. Cause yeah. it, there's not a lot of depth to it. Yeah. But it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's definitely yeah. very fun. And one thing, cause I, I did watch the first couple episodes of that and like take notes on them. Mm-hmm. One thing that I noticed is that compared to, uh, nowhere man, mighty max is like a, very fast paced show and there's constantly something happening on screen yeah in nowhere man you know 30 percent of every episode is bruce greenwood like staring 45 degrees from the camera with a bewildered look on his face whereas in mighty max i'm constantly <laughs> having to pause it go back watch it again pause it go back watch it again so that i can write down just what happened right you know what yeah I mean? yeah so anyway Whenever we get to that, we haven't even recorded the first episode of that. No. So, yeah. uh, so, so listeners, don't uh, hold your breath on that one. But someday, someday, right, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get you out some more, no. some more oh, good stuff. Oh, we're gonna do it. <laughs> sure, it's gonna happen. Yeah. So yeah, that's um pretty much that's I think that's the the gist of what's been going on for uh, the last little bit. Sure. So Jeff, do you want to uh, go ahead and get into get into this episode here? Sure. Cool. All right. Uh, I want you to imagine that. Uh, you have, um, you've noticed that your vision is not quite as good as it used to be. I mean, yeah. You, you've noticed that, uh, you don't wear contacts or anything, do you? No, no. Okay. Okay. No. I used to wear, for, for our listeners, Jeff already knows this. I used to wear glasses, but I got uh, laser eye surgery mm-hmm. a few years ago. So now I can shoot lasers anytime I want. It's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. 
Sometimes um, he doesn't even warn me. I just have to duck. <laughs> exactly. So uh, anyway, you you notice that especially like your your vision at night isn't as good as it used to be. Like mm. that's that's a problem I have. Mm. Uh, is I especially after the surgery, like I'm not able to see in the dark as well as I used to. Mm. But anyway, so you schedule an appointment with uh, an eye doctor, your old eye doctor, retired or something. So you you make an appointment. You go in, they have you fill out a bunch of uh, paperwork. For some reason, you have to fill in like your net worth and uh, <laughs> and how much money you tend to carry on your person at the time. How much of which is gold? Exactly, it's it's real weird. So anyway, you you get in. Um, the receptionist is uh, a little bit on the bigger side, shall we say? Okay. A um, bit of a a tan, you know. But you you get into the office and you. Uh, you sit down, you wait for the, the doctor to come around. And when the doctor comes around, you realize that you think that uh, the doctor might be related to the receptionist because they both have similar um, build, similar build, similar carriage, I suppose, similar complexion. And so the doctor, you know, leans down and has you look through one of those things or they, they ask you if he has number one or number two better. And of right. course you have that, that crushing indecision where you're like, you know, I'm maybe number one. Wait, well, is it too late to say number two? Ah, but number one was pretty good too. Neither <laughs> of them were perfect. But, uh, so, you know, after a while, after what feels like forever, um, the, the, you've made a bunch of dexterity saving throws. You made a bunch of constitution saving throws and, um, eventually you're all set. The doctor reaches up to a big pile of gold grabs a pair of glasses from the top, hands them to you and says, uh, wear these at night. And, um, as you leave and you realize that, uh, that was probably like a 12th level encounter right there. You, uh, it occurs to you where you just were. That wasn't just an ordinary optometrist's office, Jeff. No. Do you know where that was? No. Where was it? That was the dragon's horde. Optometry. <laughs> <laughs> The dragon's hoard and optometry. Exactly. I should have mentioned the doctor was about 30 feet tall. <laughs> oh, dang it. And every time he spoke, fire shot well, out of his I mouth. Well, I didn't notice because my eyes are just, they're Exactly, they're exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, t- today's today's item is uh, submitted by Tim D via email. Um, a couple weeks ago, he submitted the first watch. I oh, believe. yeah. Yep, yep. This is uh, another item that is uh, fairly simple, but I think we can get some fun discussion out of it. Yep. And this is the Eye of the Past. Hmm. This is a rare, wondrous item, and it requires attunement by a rogue, ranger, or bard. Cool. And this item shows you what things look like through a different eye. They are goggles that grant dark vision and cause footprints to glow that were created in the last 10 minutes. Ooh. So, again, pretty simple. Uh-huh. Gives you dark vision, yep. which lets you see in the dark. Uh, I think, generally speaking, dark vision, I think, is up to 60 feet. This doesn't specify. Right, But yeah. uh, I would say 60 feet. And then the bonus effect that it, you can see footprints from the last 10 minutes. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Yeah, which is actually really neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It, they, you know, uh, it is attuned by, you know, rangers and mm-hmm. rogues, mm-hmm. you know, tracking things. Tracking the, people, yeah. Tracking things in the dark and sure. know, trying to find... Uh, you know, it'd be a good way to find secret passageways because if you can oh, see footprints definitely. leading into like a wall, you're like, oh, there might be a secret door there. Yeah. So yeah, the 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 flavor text for this is shows you what uh, shows you what things look at through a, through a different eye. Yeah. So I like to maybe think so that like the way that you see the footprints mm-hmm. isn't so much that it's just like oh there oh there's a glowing footprint right there. Sure. 
is you're kind of seeing maybe like a maybe like an after image in a way. Okay. Or maybe you see it maybe you see it through that person's eyes. Ooh, I like that. So like you're looking you're looking through these goggles and you're kind of seeing the foot falls mm-hmm. through that person's eyes so like you're seeing that person as they're looking ahead of themselves walking yeah and so like you can kind of see where they're going and then you know and like you know it, i don't know like it's just yeah kind of like a sort of like an eerie feeling that you know, like the character would get it's not just like oh i can see glowing things it's yeah like, yeah like you're getting this weird like extra sensory you know feeling you know sure, it's sure. i guess it's you know in a similar way to like how you know, they, people can look through their familiars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But maybe a little bit different, a little less l- less connection, less like direct connection, more just like this odd feeling. Sure. I, I think there's a lot of cool ways to, uh, to flavor this. Mm-hmm. And w- the way I would read it is uh, it says that it causes footprints to glow. Not that you can see them, but that they glow. So I like to think of it going again with the what it looks like through a different eye. Maybe you put this, this like lens on your eye and your eye now has it looks kind of like an animal's eye in that it reflects light really, okay really well like a cat you like shine a light and like the cat's eyes are like glowing yeah yeah and then maybe it's that light that shines onto footprints and mm. so they physically glow so people around you can see them too oh interesting or something you know it's i'm sure uh different dms are gonna read that different ways but i think right. that's a cool cool way to read it yeah, so I again, this is a pretty simple item, mm-hmm. but I like it. I, I think that uh, that simplicity is gives you more freedom for flavor. Yeah, and you know, I think there's there's a lot of cool uh, stuff to do with it. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot for just I, I I like it a lot for like rangers for tracking and stuff like that because mm-hmm. like tracking is like one of the things that a ranger is supposed to be good at. But yeah. like in fifth edition, tracking is like. I don't know. There's there's a few things that they, that they get. Mm-hmm. Like you could just use your wisdom or your uh, your survival skill to yeah. do some tracking. Yeah. You still have to like find the tracks themselves, and then you can track them. So sure. like this would you know negate that. You know, as long as they're ten minutes away, you can be like, oh okay, there's some tracks there. Yeah. And you can kind of follow along. You um, know, I just remember this is uh, very similar to an item in uh, the Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. One of the characters gets a. It's called the Lens of Straight Creeping. <laughs> And in that, it, it lets you see footprints that have like within the last some period of time, you can sure. see you can see footprints. So, yeah. uh, so that that is something that made me made me think of. Yeah. And you know, something that gives you dark vision is pretty cool. Yeah, like just you know, being able to give somebody who doesn't have dark vision dark vision would be would be would be very useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so cool item. Thank you very much, Tim. Once again, that was the eye of the past. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jeff, if anybody wanted to submit Dragon's Horde items to us. Or if they had questions they wanted us to discuss, or stories for the funeral pyre, how would they get those to us? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. There you go. And before we go any further, we have a giveaway today. As usual, we're giving away a copy of Chapel on the Cliffs, courtesy of Goblinstone. Goblinstone is a uh, a group of creators located in the UK, I believe, and they are uh, creating great adventures, so uh, they have given us this one to give away to all to our listeners every week. So, Jeff, this week, who is our Chapel on the Cliffs winner? Our winner today is MC. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes, congratulations, MC. You should be getting that in your email in the next few days. If you don't, let us know, and uh, we'll make sure you get that to us. And be sure to let Goblinstone know what you think so they can uh, continue to make great products. Yep. Um, and, Jeff, if anybody wanted to enter this drawing... How would they? How would they do that? 
Well, they can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with the subject line Chapel on the Cliffs. Yes. And then whatever you want in the body of that email, um, kind words. Yeah. You know, whatever. So, so, your favorite recipe. We'll take those too. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe someday we'll have another episode of uh, Dinner Party Conflict and we can <laughs> we can feature some recipes that have been, sum- been submitted. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Chapel on the Cliffs is a great adventure. Um, Goblinson is a great creator. Congratulations, Matthew. Um, I also want to tell everybody that this episode is brought to you by our Patreon. We have uh, lots of great patrons that uh, have donated to us over the months. We've got some cool rewards on there, and uh, you can check those out at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We've got outtakes for our listeners. We've got a, uh, I do a Patreon update every few weeks. I haven't done one of those in a very long time. I really need to do that. I'm going to try to do that tonight before I go to bed. We have a, a monthly bonus podcast for mm-hmm. our, our $5 patrons yep. as well called uh, uh, Interpatron Conflict, right. where we talk about various topics. Uh, we have a monthly fantasy fiction that I write for everybody with a, a monthly Roll20 game among our top tier patrons. Also, if you're a top tier patron, I will write about your character for the fantasy fiction. Yeah. So yeah, we've got some cool rewards and we've got some great patrons. So check those out at uh, patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. And if anything looks good, maybe think about donating. A dollar a month is, uh, you know, even a little bit like that. It helps. And you can donate more if you want, but every little bit helps. And hey, if you can't donate, tell a friend. Yep. Tell a friend, leave us a review. You know, just just, the, fact, the fact that you're listening is great. Yeah, just keep listening. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and then also, I just want to direct everybody to Crit Academy. It's a great podcast. Justin, Ian, and Brandon create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. Also, D&D Character Lab is uh, a great podcast that you should listen to. Garen and Dan, they make characters and then pit them against each other to determine whose is better. Also, there is a new podcast on the Crit Nation Fellowship, and that is Brute Force and Ignorance. I actually have not listened to them yet, I'm afraid. I just found out about them recently, and I usually do most of my podcast listening at work which I haven't been to oh, in, true. in quite yeah. a while. Yeah. So within you're, you're out of practice. Gabe. I am out of practice. I am. So I'm definitely going <laughs> to probably listen to their entire, uh, entire catalog by, uh, by this time next week. So, sure. <laughs> so yeah, brute force and ignorance is a new podcast on the crit nation fellowship. So uh, yeah, check them out as well. Check out all of us. And Jeff, you want to get into this episode, get into some questions? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Our first question comes from Gabe. Who's that guy on the podcast. He sounds attractive. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds devilishly handsome. Yeah. Well, so should I should yeah. I explain this one first? Yeah. What, yeah. What, yeah okay. Go ahead. So uh, before we get to what the question is, actually, I I got into a a Facebook uh, let's call it a discussion recently, <laughs> and I mean of all I get into a lot of arguments online. This actually I don't think was was really much of an argument. I don't I don't really think there was there was too much arguing going on, but there were some some conflicting opinions. Sure. Sure. There, and, it was a disagreement, but yeah. But yeah. And uh, and I, I thought it would be interesting to to talk about and okay. see see what sort of stuff I don't I don't want to bring up the the person that inspired this because it was about something that they did that uh, possibly was was bad. And so I don't want to you know, I don't want to put somebody on blast. About sure. Yeah. Some of their their bad habits. Um, so instead, the so the question I'm bringing in today is, should you leave feedback when leaving a gaming group? Mm. And I guess let me try to explain what uh, caused all this. So there was a I'm in a Facebook group and one of the uh, members was saying that he was running a game and a bunch of people left the group kind of like possibly out of nowhere, possibly in response to something that he was doing. So the um, the the initial 
question that the, the this particular DM was asking was um, the, the the question boiled down to: Is it unreasonable for players to leave a group because of a disagreement that they have between themselves and you and how the game should be should be run? Mm. So, like, is it unreasonable for players to leave to leave a group without? I don't know, like just on on their own. I guess I don't really know how to how to answer that how to word that question without sounding sounding biased because my my emphatic response was like, dude, players can leave your group for what? whatever whatever reason. Right? Yeah, you know? they're not contractually obligate, obligated. Exactly. And um and then so like I there was a bit of discussion between me and the the question asker and then some other people got in on on both sides. So I I, I guess what I was trying to to unpack from this question was like. Is the DM trying to decide if it was himself that made a bad decision that caused the players to leave? Sure. Or was it that the players were just bad players and they were wrong for leaving because they didn't like his DMing style or whatever? I don't know. Whatever the case, before we really get into what this discussion is going to be about, I just want to say, like, if players leave your group for whatever reason, doesn't matter if it's because they disagree with you. doesn't matter if it's because their schedule's too busy. doesn't matter if it's because they just don't want to be in a game anymore or they don't want to be in your game anymore. Mm. It doesn't matter. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody should should have to keep going to a game they don't like. All right. And I guess the, the question I'm trying to get into here is, do you think, Jeff, that if you are leaving a group, whether it is because the DM did something you don't agree with or not, are you as the DM entitled to an explanation? No, I okay. don't. Yeah, I don't think you're entitled to an explanation. It'd be nice to get an explanation. That way you can get feedback and learn from your mistakes, possibly. Sure. sure. Uh, you know, as as a player, I know if I like left a group because of disagreement with the DM or, or like or I didn't like their style or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of person who would give out the feedback. Yeah. Like on my own, like if I was. If I was approached and asked, like if they like emailed me later, I might type something out, be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, y'all gave me it was this, or maybe this or that." Yeah, but I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna take take the time and you know give feedback, and that's my own like I just I don't like I don't like confrontation. I don't like so. Oh, I know. oh my goodness, same here, like, same here. You know, I like I don't want to bring it up and like you know, and, and I guess it depends on who the person is too or something like like mm-hmm. like if if for some reason Gabe like stopped being the great dm that he is and like well that's up for that's up for debate (laughs) but i mean like if there was just something that gabe did in in a game that i was just like i can't play this game anymore Mm -hmm. like it'd be tough for me to give you the feedback because you're my friend but yeah maybe you know but but i know but i know if he had if he asked me i'd be like well okay it was this thing yeah um just like a random group or something like that, I would just ghost them. I would just be like, no, I'm gone. Like, yeah. I'm not going to waste my time on people I don't know that well. Right. You know, I was just, you know, like if I was just going into a game because I wanted to play because like that was the only option I had to play D&D, mm-hmm. you know, like and I like left because I didn't agree with that DM. I just I wouldn't talk to them. And sure. like, you know, that that's, you know. Think of that how you will. Like, you know, that's ki- like that's kind of seems like a jerk move. Yeah, but at the same time, like I, yeah, I don't think as a DM you are, you know, you are entitled to an explanation, right? But you have the right to ask. Well, yeah, and and I don't really want to spend too much time dumping on the 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 DM that asked this question, right? But like, 
at one point I brought up, you know, I mean, if you're trying to get feedback, why are you asking us instead of the people that were in the group? Sure, yeah. And then it came out that, well, he tried asking them all and they blocked him. Huh. Which makes me think if I, I've I've never blocked a DM that I had a good time playing with. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and anyway, well, we, we can get to more of that later. But the, the, the crux of this is, you know, yeah, is it do, should you leave feedback for a group mm. um i think you know I'm, I'm pretty biased i think both both of us are, are pretty biased in that like we yeah I, I don't think you you do need to so i mean i like i don't think you have to yeah if i'm not liking a game i'm i'm i am probably just going to leave but i think part of that comes from uh crippling social anxiety sure and part of that comes from that like over the years i've learned just because someone has a different play style than me, that doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. True. Yes, I could tell them, hey, I have a different play style than you and uh, that, you know, that means we're not a good fit. I feel like that would, it that would be less constructive than just leaving because if if I say that, then that's going to make them think, oh, well, well, I'll, I'll change my play style to more accommodate you. And, you know, that, that, Maybe that might be what I'm looking for, but probably not. If I'm leaving, it's not just over a difference in play style. It's that the difference in play style combined with a lack of enthusiasm about the game combined with, you know, the amount of time that it's eating up out of my schedule and so on. Yeah. Like, it's always a combination of things. So I don't want to make them think, hey, if you change this thing, I'll come back to the game. Right. Because yeah. I would never leave. I, I don't think I would ever leave just over a difference in play style. Yeah. I would probably try to accommodate, you know, because, hey, someone else's play style might be fun. You know, sure, I'm, I'm not sure. trying to say mine is the only good one, but I, I don't want to give them that hope that, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, a the, the relationship between the DM and players is a relationship mm -hmm. and it shares a lot of things in common with other relationships. If you're in a, a romantic relationship with someone mm -hmm. and they break up with you. Your initial reaction is probably going to be to try and be like, Oh, well I can change whatever it right, is that you yeah. need me to change. I can do this. If, if, if you were breaking up with someone, I mean, personally, I don't have a ton of experience breaking up with people, but I imagine if you're breaking up with someone and they say, Oh, well I can change this. I can change that. You're probably not going. It's probably not a good idea to say, okay, it's probably a better idea to point out that, like, you know, this isn't the only reason and I'm not, this, yeah. this wasn't a snap decision. Like, this has been building and I just want, you, you probably don't break up with someone unless you want something else. And staying with someone that you just broke up with probably isn't, I mean, I, I don't mean to be giving, like, relationship <laughs> right. advice, but from my experience, I feel like if someone broke up with me, mm -hmm. I would rather start anew and, and grow from what I've, what I've learned. So this is uh, an episode of dinner date conflict. <laughs> so, so th there's, it's never a simple, right. One single thing that yeah. caused whatever. Yeah. I mean, if, I, well, if it is, it's, it's going to be pretty obvious that it's just one. It's because you like, you know, spit in their face when you first met them or whatever. Right. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I am leaving a group, if I'm like putting myself out there as the guy who's leaving the group, it's yeah. Like it's, it's not for something that can be easily fixed. Like yeah. if it was just one or two things, I would probably just put up with it. Yeah. You or know. 
maybe say something. Yeah. If it, it, if it is one simple thing, like, hey, uh, these encounters have been really easy. Can we get some tougher encounters? Sure. You know, that's the you know simple enough thing to ask. And they yeah. might they might be like, well, okay, yeah, I just didn't want to like kill all kill all the characters or something like that. And then it's like, okay, that's understandable. Sure. You know, so but they might throw in a like, you know, an extra hard monster every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's like if it's several things and it's like, well, it, yeah, they're just it's just a conflicting play styles or mm-hmm. conflicting personality or several other things, you know, tied in there. Yeah. Um yeah, it's yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot to be done about it. Right. And in a perfect world, you'd get feedback whenever a relationship, romantic or otherwise, ends. In a perfect world, if someone broke up with you, they would say, you did this right, you did this right, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. Right. I'm leaving because I'm going to find something that's more what I want. Oh, and it, you know, and it should be like, you did this right, you did this wrong for me. Sure. And not necessarily like this, this is the wrong way to go about it. But so, maybe sometimes there would be situations was like, no, don't do that at all. Why would you do that? You right, know? right. So in in a perfect world, you would get helpful feedback whenever a relationship ends. You think what goes where? <laughs> yeah, sorry. But this isn't a perfect world. You don't get feedback nearly as often as would be helpful. Mm. People who buy a service almost never leave feedback, even though they are the people that would benefit the most from that from giving feedback. Uh-huh. If I pay someone to come t- and clean my house or whatever, and they do a bad job, I'm probably just going to go somewhere else. I'm not always going to leave feedback, even yeah. though giving feedback and then giving them another chance might be very helpful. That's not, that's not what everybody does though. Like, right. so, so when it comes to a free service or like a, something that, that people feel that they are, less invested in than something that you are paying lots of money for, mm-hmm. then the chances of getting feedback are even less. So to expect feedback, because like this guy really wanted, he was like, why would they leave without telling me why they were leaving? And t- to expect that is unrealistic. Yeah. You're not going to get feedback even 10% of the time. I imagine. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I've made this same mistake before myself. It's just too clingy. It just, it just could be just too clean. You're at you're if you, if you ask too many times why, where it went wrong, they're just, they're, they're going to, they're going to block you. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're still talking about romantic relationships, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Of okay, course. Okay. And so, um, especially when it came out that his group blocked him. Yeah. It's like, okay, here's a good rule of thumb for whether you did a good job as a DM. If they kept playing in the game, you did a good job. If they don't, you probably didn't do a good job. If they blocked you afterwards, I guarantee you did a bad job. Yeah, some, something went wrong somewhere. It would be great if they told you, you did this, 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 and this, and those were all bad ideas. That would be awesome of them. But I have never blocked someone that I was interested in communicating with. Sure. And th- this the discussion on Facebook ended up coming down to like, should you expect communication? And communication is great, but it only happens when people want to be communicating. Yeah, yeah. You cannot bully someone into communicating with you. And if you treat someone like you are expecting them to give you feedback and they don't think that way, they are that is a guaranteed way to make sure you do not get feedback. Right. Yeah, we're not, I mean, like, 
you know, we, we ask for you guys, your guys's feedback, you mm-hmm. know, for our show and stuff like that. Like yeah. if you want to leave a review, you can, but that like, be great. We're, we're not expecting it. No, we're not. We are not, you know, badgering it, you guys with it all the time. In so. fact, I like when I'm listening to podcasts where they, they mention it too much or they talk about donating to them too much. <laughs> it kind of turns me off to it. So I try right. not to be too pushy. I try to just have a quick, you know, here's our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Here's our Patreon at the very end of the episode. So I I don't want to act like, hey, we've made you this podcast, so you better at least leave us a review. Right. That's not what I'm saying at all. If you like the podcast enough to leave a review, that would be awesome. Yeah. But hey, I don't leave reviews for most of the podcasts I listen to. Yeah. You know, a podcast has to be either really good or really bad for me to like run to the computer and leave them a review. Yeah. Like, I, I, yes, like so bad you had to say something about it exactly. or, you know, so good that it had to be like, whoa, okay. And, and also it's kind of the nature of feedback is yeah. that you probably, you, you are almost never going to get feedback for anything that's middle of the road and you are more likely to get positive feedback than you are negative feedback, even though negative feedback is almost always more helpful. Long time ago. So I, I used to work for my Are mom. Are you sure about that? I feel like well, negative feedback comes in more often. Like, well, have you, have you when, seen online reviews and comments? But I feel like every everything that, unless it's real, real bad, huh. then, I, well, okay, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But let me <laughs> let me explain what I mean by that. So I used my mom uh, passed away a few years ago, but she was a doctor for many years. I worked in her office and there was one point where we hadn't gotten a lot of new patients in a long time. And so we put like a little suggestion box in the, uh, out in the waiting room mm. or like not just suggestions, but like you could like leave a review or whatever too. And as I, I was one of the people who like would go in and check those periodically, every single one of them was, Hey, you guys are doing great. Don't change anything. And I realized like, if we got a patient that didn't like the way we did things, they, they wouldn't come back. They wouldn't bother to tell us what we did wrong. They would just leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? And while yes, negative feedback online is a huge thing. I ha- I feel very strongly that there is a much, much, much larger percentage of people that had negative feelings about it, but didn't feel strongly enough to leave reviews. Sure. So when you see a lot of negative feedback, it's because there was so many people mm. or it became like a meme to go and, yeah, it, and just, dump on them. Just trolling or something like e- exactly, that. Exactly, you know? exactly. So I mean, like extenuating circumstances aside, I feel like in general. So like uh, the percentage of con- consumers that had a negative insp- experience, the percentage of those that actually left a negative comment yeah. is lower than the percentage of people with positive experience giving a positive I, feedback. I would say so. I would say so. Okay. And and Okay, I could see that. So speaking of reviews and, and like positive versus negative, at the, to- at the time of this recording, um, to sort of open the veil a little bit, we we've gotten maybe like twelve reviews or something like that on oh, on iTunes. That's actually more than I. Thought it's, it it's, was. it's always more than I expect, but we haven't gotten a new review in a long time. Anyway, sure. all of our reviews, all of our ratings have been five stars. Oh, thanks. I well, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's not my point, but yes, absolutely. Thank you to everybody who has left us a rating, has left us a review. This is, this is a hashtag um, humble brag, <laughs> I guess. But I guarantee there are more than twelve people that have felt negatively about our show sure i I know things about our show that i wish were better i know things about our show that i think are flaws i mean i'm not gonna leave a negative review for us or anything don't don't tell anybody maybe they don't notice (laughs) but like i said i'm not gonna leave a negative review unless a podcast does something real real bad and even when they do something real real bad i will i don't know if i've ever given an itunes review lower than three stars because they're trying 
at least they are making the effort and that's a good thing. Yeah. I leave lots of five-star reviews, even when I do have issues with things. And when I do, like, I'll usually say my issues in the review. Right. But because but like the stars themselves have more of like they mean more. Yeah. Because they're a rating on a website and they help get like exposure and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. when you when you give somebody a four star review because of this one little thing yeah. and they didn't give you options for half stars or whatever. So you have yeah. to do either four or five. It's like, well, it's not perfect, so it can't be a five. So it must be a four. Mm-hmm. But when you put them, give them a four star review that brings down their average and then their exposure gets less and then they get less, you know, uh, traffic and like, it's like a dy- downward spiral spiral from there. So yeah. it's like, if, if it's just a little thing you have a problem with, give the five star. And sure. then in the, in your actual text review, say, Hey, there was this one thing. But everything else is great. Yeah. But anyway, I I guess this is just, this is all to say, like, feedback is great when it happens, but you you cannot count on it. If you are unable to grow except when getting feedback, something has gone wrong. Mm. Like, then that is a very bad sign for you. you. You have to be able to recognize your own flaws, even if it is just, hey, after this game, nobody came back. Let me try and make my next game as different from the last game as possible. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I understand that it you, as a DM, you want to be able to know what you did good and know what you did bad so that you can do more of the good in the future and less of the bad in the future. But it is unrealistic. Whether it is reasonable or not, it is unrealistic for you to expect feedback all the time. Yeah. Or even some of the time. Here's just a rule of thumb. Don't expect feedback. I mean, you know, just use the gauge of whether people keep coming back or not. If you get feedback, that's great. That is awesome. Yeah, it's a bonus. You should say thank you. You should use that feedback to the best of your ability. But but if someone blocks you, take that as the strongest negative feedback you can. Right, yeah. Because they gave you feedback. That is, they blocked you. Yeah, that is a one-star review with no text. You're just like, exactly. well, okay. Exactly. So I got to take, take stock of everything here. <laughs> right. So it is great when players communicate with you. It's great when that happens, but you are not entitled to it. And it's probably rarely going to happen. Yep. And all negative reviews of this podcast can go to <laughs> interpartyconflict at gmail.com. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I mean, like, I would, I would... I don't want negative feedback, right? <laughs> but I would love some negative. Fe- I, I don't. I don't even know don't, if I want to say that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't entice them. I don't want negative feedback, but we've never gotten negative feedback, and that worries me because then that makes me feel like whenever someone has an issue with the podcast, they, they stop, just they stop listening. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And I know that there are things that we could be improving on. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, there was a time I looked at the number of subscribers for Friend Quest, and it went down by one. And I was like, Oh, who just does that? Yeah. Who. Who unsubscribes from a YouTube page, from a YouTube channel? <laughs> I don't know. Who does that? Like, And like we've had, uh, not that we have a ton of patrons, but like we've had a couple patrons over the, the last year that have uh, canceled their, their right. subscription. But I mean, like that's, you know, that's a subscription thing that sure, you know, sure. there are many reasons why you'd, you'd stop that. You know, yeah. like well, our, well, our rewards aren't worth the money, which is understandable. Like if, like for, if for you, that's not. You know, sure, sure. Uh, well, enough what, incentive. What I'm trying to say is that I'm I'm pretty sure when you unsubscribe from a Patreon, I think it asks you if you want to send feedback. Right. And I don't think we've ever gotten 
feedback yeah. or something like that. I mean, I always I always click out of those when that whenever I'm leaving. Like, yeah, if I'm ending a subscription to World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. like they know why. <laughs> sure, they know why. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you know, it could be that that the the patrons that we have lost have either just lo- left for monetary reasons, mm-hmm. or it could be that they, you know, it just it wasn't. Uh, that maybe they do have negative feedback. They just don't feel like giving it. Sure. And either one of those, hey, I have no say over which of those we get. So I can't say one is good or one is bad. Hey, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, if people leave your group for whatever reason, that is entirely their prerogative. And you you should just use that as an example to say, okay, well, I'm going to, even if you're already doing your best, you should try, you should be doing better. Like, even if, you you did everything you thought you were supposed to do. Keep trying. Yeah, for sure. Never stop improving because you haven't gotten any negative feedback. Right. Yeah. You know, I I guess that's really all I all I have to say about this. I, I don't I don't mean to be an expert on you know <laughs> like relations or anything like relationships or anything like that, but mm. you you can't expect feedback from everybody. Yeah, uh, Gabe is the Doctor Phil of D and D. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Our next question comes from Blub Sternchen on Discord. <laughs> yes. Uh, how can I make my PCs feel the danger of being overwhelmed in an onslaught of foes without feeling like an accountant for managing so many enemies at the same time? Yeah. So, like, hordes of enemies... And it's like yeah. this big epic battle, and the and the players are feeling overwhelmed. But so are right. you because you got all these, all these like monsters to manage. Right. I would say the the quick answer for this is that the majority of this is going to be in flavor text or like how how you describe things and not actually mechanics. Because yeah, yeah, if you just have a whole bunch of enemies, it's going to be a lot of work keeping you know with your number crunching machine keeping track of like. whose turn is it and all these guys go on initiative 12 and so on and so on the first the first idea that came to mind when i saw this question was um it might be interesting to try and like find a way to do like sort of like a swarm mechanic Mm -hmm. sort of thing so like you have like you start off with like three to five orcs yeah and then like suddenly like there's like a few more come in and so like you have you know but you're up to like 15 orcs and you don't want to be rolling 15 initiatives yeah. and rolling 15 attacks so so maybe you have three groups of five orcs so you kind of Ooh, pool, okay. you pool their um uh you would pool like their their uh hit points together mm-hmm. but maybe their like ac would go down a little bit because there's more of them so you have a chance you're to just hit like, somebody you're just swinging into that cloud of orcs over there right yeah so like you know they so they have like a bigger pool of hit points, but they have, uh, you know, they have uh, either a little easier hit because you're going to hit some somebody. Yeah. Uh, and then like, you know, they maybe get like multi attack or something at a point at a point. So it's like, OK, like there's five of them. So maybe instead of there being five attacks. Yeah. There's, you know, a, you know, multi attack of like th- maybe there's like three attacks. And then like the more they're the more you're adding the like the higher the chance is that one of them is going to be able to hit you. So mm-hmm. you just give them a higher attack rating or something like that so like there's a slow buildup of like every round the things that they're fighting are getting stronger and stronger but if they can like knock back if they can do enough damage they can kind of yeah. keep them from getting stronger or they can realize oh this is futile like let's run yeah um i like i think that's a neat mechanic and mm. i think that would be interesting to try and and work with and try to try to perfect it yeah 
probably the the part of that that I think is going to make the players feel quote unquote overwhelmed. I'm saying quote unquote overwhelmed because you don't actually want the players to be overwhelmed, but you want them to feel that they're overwhelmed. Yeah. And so if if you can use a mechanic like that to make it so that every time the players feel like they're making progress, they realize that they are not making progress fast enough. Sure. So if it were something sort of like a Hydra, because okay, yeah, the, the Hydra in Greek mythology or one of the Hydras in Greek mythology or something, mm. every time you cut off one head, it grew two more. If it were similarly that every time the players kill one orc, two more orcs show up or, or mechanically, like what you were saying, every time you kill one orc, there are now, there's now a like quote unquote swarm of two more orcs or something. Well, like yeah. if, if there is a, you're describing it as a swarm of three orcs and you kill one. Now there are four orcs and then they kill another one. Now there's f- five orcs yeah. or whatever. If you can, if you can do that, like that sort of, that type of thing is what you're looking for. Every round, there should be a bigger threat than there was the previous round. And so if the goal is to make the players run away or something, you know, I I think that that is a a worthwhile goal for this type of thing. Then yeah, you want the players to feel like whatever progress they made last round, not only didn't get them any closer to their goal, they need to make more progress than they did last round in order to, get closer to their goal. So like, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, they killed one, but there's two more. They killed two. Now there's three more mm. and so on. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm picturing, yeah, like some, like a few groups of orcs or whatever. And then like, they're streaming in from some entrance way or something like that. Yeah. So like, you know, each group is building in strength. The, like the longer it goes also, unless you can be doing enough damage to it to keep it from getting out of hand. Yeah. It's going to get too, stronger or you can spend the time to, stop the flow of orcs in some way like maybe yeah. there's a way to barricade the door so they can't get any stronger and it gives you sure. more time to deal with the ones that are there maybe they don't maybe you can't stop them forever so like you have to like you put down a barricade but mm-hmm. it only lasts for three rounds and so you have three rounds to to whittle down the orcs that are there before the next flow comes Ooh, that's good so like there is a little mini time limit yeah and they know that when that time limit ends something bad is going to happen right here's a similar idea so the player i don't know i don't know what exact this exact scenario this is in Mm -hmm. but if the players are in like a room and there's a doorway like you were saying and they know okay orcs are going to be coming through here so they block that up and then two rounds after they block that up a wall breaks down and now there's another Mm. flow of orcs coming in yeah mechanically it's the same flow of orcs as there would have been from the first one sure but now they have to hold that one and deal with the second one if they plug up that second one a third one on the other side of the room is going to break open and so on so Again, you just want to make the players feel like they're making negative progress. Right, yeah. Like every step they take to, you know, to stop the orcs, mm-hmm. it, it like, you know, a, a couple rounds later, it's like, okay, now there's another one. And so like we have to right. we have to make sure that the two that we're blocking up are still blocked. Mm-hmm. But now we got this third one to worry about. And so it's like it's like this overwhelming odds. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to go about it. And you know, you can try to to just like flavor it like, oh, you're only fighting these four orcs, but you're surrounded by like a cheering crowd of orcs. You can yeah. do that, but that to an extent, I think that that strains credibility because then it's like, well, why don't all of them just attack us? Right. It's yeah. It's the whole like, you know, why why is it always in movies that when the bad when the good guy is surrounded by a bunch of bad guys, mm-hmm. they only come and attack him one at a time. Exactly. Exactly. It's like so they could do the the special karate moves. <laughs> right. So uh, you know, so that isn't necessarily the greatest way to deal with it. However, right. 
if you do want to still do that, maybe thematically the players are surrounded by orcs and they're being attacked by like their champion or whatever, have the ones on the outside participate in the battle in the form of lair actions. Yeah. Let's say, let's say the champion goes to fight the players while they're fighting him every round on initiative 20, three random players are targeted by range attacks by the, the surrounding yeah. uh, bad guys. They're like chucking javelins or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. You know, or, or if you are doing like they're in a room and there's guys trying to burst in through the door, if you think about the logistics of the, the scene, mm. eventually there's going to be so many orcs standing in that doorway they're just standing there. They can't do anything. They might start chucking th- ch- chucking weapons through the doorway. Yeah. You know, throwing weapons over the heads of the people in front of them. So then you could have it be that, yeah, you're blocking up that wall so no more orcs can get through. But every round, some javelins get thrown in or or whatever. Mm. You know, you can try things like that. You, you can get a little bit of mileage out of good description. Maybe stat-wise, it's only one orc, but... Description-wise, it's two orcs. I don't know. And yeah. so when they kill them, oh, you killed both of them in one whatever. You can try reskinning stuff or just, like, describing the environment, but that's only going to go so far, and it, you are going to have to do something mechanical to, yeah. you know, to, to really make the players feel overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Another solution here, and I'll say this was inspired by something Jeff was talking about with me, that uh, skill challenges in the middle of combat. You could have it be that uh, maybe a player gets mobbed by a whole bunch of orcs, and rather than just have it be combat, you, right. know, you could have it be that while this fight's going on, that player, instead of rolling to attack and get attacked against his AC or whatever, you could have that player roll like an athletics check, or he gets pinned by a bunch of orcs. And then if he fails it, then next round he takes a whole bunch of damage because they're all just like pounding into him on the ground or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can try to use that sort of a mechanic, try to like have have like maybe even just take it out of combat rounds and say at this point, you guys have to succeed on this many strength checks in order to succeed. Or if you fail too many strength checks, everybody dies or everybody gets taken prisoner right. or whatever. That might be a little bit jarring because you're going from like an intense combat to a very abstracted skill based thing. Yeah. But with good enough setup and with good enough resolution, good enough description, you could set it up that way. It yeah. could be the, like the wall gets broken down, a hundred orcs charge into the room. Okay, guys, we're going to jump out of rounds now. They are about to kill you unless you can succeed on enough athletics checks or whatever. Yeah. It'd be like an alternating initiative where, you know, like you, sure. have, you have a round of combat and then a round of skill of, of skill challenges. Yeah. So like, you know, it's like a round of combat at the end of that round of combat, you notice that the, that the, one of the doors is bursting, like mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. is, is being pummeled with like a, you know, a ram or something like that. Yeah. So like, you're like, okay, so you have a round of skill checks, you know, what's something that you can do? I was like, oh, the, like, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to chuck this boulder over at the door to kind of block a, you know, to kind of block it a bit or something like that. Sure. sure. I'm going to, I'm going to ram into it and try to hold it or something like that. Or like, I'm going to cast wall of force and it's going to block off the bad guys. Maybe they can get around it, but for the time being, and the DMs has you roll a, a spell casting modifier check. And then if you succeed, mm-hmm. then you're able to position it well enough that they can't get through the, the wall they were getting through. And now they have to find another way right. around. And so something. for that next round of combat, you don't have to deal with those guys. You just have to sure. deal with what's left in the room. Sure. You know, so, so try that. So I think that's a good idea. Try to incorporate some skill challenges into the battle and um, try, try to use the description of those skill challenges to really, really paint the, 
the environment the way that you want mm-hmm. it to to be pictured. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's definitely a hard thing to do, but I I think there's 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 a few different ways to to really make it memorable at the very least. Yeah, you know. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our uh, discussion questions for this week. Mm-hmm. We also have our social media question though. Oh, yeah. Last week's social media question was, "What is your favorite piece of music that gets you pumped for a tabletop game?" Do you recall what your answer was, Jeff? I don't remember. Did I say? Well, I think I just like I usually do like any any sort of like video game or like dramatic movie soundtrack mm. or something like that. I, I think you called out specifically the Eberron soundtrack. The um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, Cut to the Chase. I think yeah. I, I haven't <laughs> finished editing that episode yet, so I don't know what I put in the show notes. But I think the the. I mean, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I do yeah. remember like that was that was our like it was, our, it was a good soundtrack. Yeah, that was our look, we're getting ready to play a game, guys. Let's yeah. let's let's do this. And then uh, I've got um, Dawn of Victory by Rhapsody is like a mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know what kind of metal it, it is, but like some sort of, of metal song that I think is, yeah. is really good and really feels like a, a D&D scenario. Um, so we got we got a few uh, um, a few comments and I'm going to try to include all of these in the show notes as uh, as links. So oh, yeah. um, check the show notes, interpartyconflict.com. I'll try to have those all on this week's episode. So uh, Sean M. on Facebook says, I don't play war games, only fantasy, yet the Hell March from Command and Conquer is great. Ooh. So, uh, so there's that one. Dan W. says, Dominion Port by Celestial Aeon Project. It's the theme to our campaign. Some classy fantasy instrumental in there mixed with a swashbuckling theme. Perfect as we start in Luskin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack is a good... Oh, my goodness, yeah. It's a nice, fun, like, yeah. It's, yeah, very swashbuckling. A bit of a tangent, but I'll mention it in case any of our listeners want to look this up. Have you ever heard the Michael Bolton... Captain Jack Sparrow song. <laughs> yes. I heard that song in one of Adventures in Aurelia's outtakes. They were listening to it. Oh, yeah. And ever since that day, I can't go two days without listening to it. It is. <laughs> and when I say listening to it, I mean listening to it like five times in a row. It is so good. <laughs> so check that out. It is not It that's, is not at all the answer to this question. That's the uh, um, Lonely Island. Lonely uh, Island, yeah. yeah they yeah. get Michael Bolton to help them. And he just he he just got done watching a Pirates of the Caribbean ma- marathon. So uh, <laughs> it's so good. Um, <laughs> all right. Over on, um, over on Reddit, Not a Wizard Lizard says... Uh, hmm, don't know about favorite, but we had a session once where we played the first gen Pokemon theme while we fought a Hydra. That was a very hectic fight. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait which theme? Are you talking the are you talking a show theme? I'm I'm assuming it's one of the I'm assuming it's like a, the gym leader theme from the first generation, or maybe it's a, maybe it's just a, a regular trainer battle, or is it a wild Pokemon battle? Or is it a or is it a uh team rocket battle well, theme? Well, dang, Jeff, I don't know. There, there are so many themes that I it would, could be. Yeah. That's a. I was picturing just, uh, all just of normal them, Pokemon battle, but all of them good choices. Though. All of them good fo- good choices. Yeah, yeah. I feel the gym leader one is pretty good. Okay, uh, but okay. there's and then there's also I think like when you fight Gary for the last time, I think I think there's a special theme for I that think too. So 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 there's a lot of good ones yeah, to choose from. Yeah. So you know, pick any of them really. <laughs> all right, uh, and then uh, also on Reddit, Gizmo Trunks says the Shire music from Lord of the Rings. Um, so, oh sure, yeah. I, I guess it's not necessarily what gets you like excited for battle sure but, you know just for a tabletop game and yeah hey the shire music would be you know fine uh, for depending on what game you're in over on discord oh that sketchy says hard to pick any one piece of music but uh 
but I have a go-to folk metal playlist that usually does the job. It features music by groups such as Falconer, Gloryhammer, Van Kant, Elven King, and Powerwolf. Ooh. Then Avin Schill says, This last year was my first year DMing, and a song I heard early on that got me pumped was Legends Never Die by Against the Current. So again, I'll be, I'll be trying to include all of these in the uh, the show notes. Yeah. Adam B says, I have two very precise pieces of music I play just before we start, depending on the current situation. It instantly informs the players we have begun and the type of session to expect to be starting with. The first is Two Steps from Hell from To Glory. And the second is For Blood, For Glory, and For Honor by Jeremy Soul. This is the opening song for, the, for Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, cool. So there you go. Yeah, a lot of Elder Scrolls stuff is really good, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a good idea, like using using the music to kind of cue up like, hey, we're going to be starting like, you know, like getting people like yeah, corralled a little yeah. bit. It's like one of my uh, one of my old middle school teachers would do that, like at the at the beginning of class, mm-hmm. like there was a there was a song she would play. And like sure. during that song, it, like you had to like get get seated, get all your stuff out. And then she would had like a question up on the board to have that answered by the end of the song. Oh, and then okay. that would start the class. You That's know. pretty good. I ended up hating that song. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, Peace Joy Pancakes uh, asks, is that a common thing people have? I don't have anything specific I go to necessarily, but I would lean towards a folk rock approach similar to uh, Oh That Sketchies. But the German variant with Shandmal, In Extremo, Fawn, etc. Mm. I hope I pronounced those right. But mostly <laughs> I just listen to RPG related podcasts, either you guys obviously or Yay. actual play. Your critical roles in Adventure Zones and uh, my beloved How Friends Roll, which is another one. Cool. And then finally over on Twitter, we got two. I am Carlos. He said, my favorite movie is Master and Commander. I love the soundtrack. Lots of drums and strings. And then Collins B says, the D&D Beyond theme song. So, so yeah, um, I was not aware there was a D&D Beyond theme song, but uh, apparently it has a video on YouTube that is like a, looks like an 80s cartoon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool. So those are those are our uh, answers for last week's social media question. And this week's social media question, out of all the dice used in tabletop gaming, which is your favorite and why? Ooh. How about you, Jeff? Hmm. Got all of them. Yeah, you got them all right, right here in front of you. You got them all right there. Huh? Whichever ones you don't pick will feel guilty. <laughs> they they will feel left out. So, you know, I feel like I feel like I like the D12. Mm-hmm. I like the shape of it. Yeah, like it's you know it's 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 you know it's nice and round, but it's got it's got nice long edges and stuff like that. I like as far it just just shape yeah and like look alone. I like the D twelve sure aesthetically. Um, mechanically, I think I like the D eight mm-hmm. because that usually means I'm getting healed. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. Uh. D20s and me have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> sure. Uh you know, and then uh and, and the other and the other ones are good too. I'm not going to I'm not going to knock any of the other ones, but like I it's, you know, the D12 I feel like doesn't get a lot of a lot of use, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it is a pretty looking shape. Yeah. So like it's like it's like the really like good-looking person you put at the front door, you know. <laughs> okay. And it's like like a, like an Abercrombie and Fitch like the like just like a like a guy in a like a tight t-shirt and he's just like <laughs> just like hey, welcome to D&D. You're going to roll these other dice, but here just sure. check check out my abs. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um I would probably say the D12 is also my favorite. Um it gets used the least. Yeah. But you know, I think it's neat. I think that like it's got a good spread of numbers on there. Mm-hmm. Rolling a twelve <laughs> on something would be pretty cool. On a d twenty, less cool because there's are so many higher numbers. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I do like the shape of it. I have 
a few of them that are, I, I have a few D12s that look really nice. Like I have one where half the numbers are one color, the other half are another color. Sure. I think that's a really neat little touch. I've also got ones that like the edges are really rounded. And so it's like really like inviting to look at and pick up. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but then I also have ones that are like sharp edges and that's really cool too. Yeah. So I do really, I think D12 probably... D4 is also pretty cool because, hey, you got a 25% chance to get the highest number possible. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do, you prefer, uh, do you prefer sharper edges or rounded edges? I mean, it depends. I don't know. I, I, I really, I'd rather have sharper edges. Yeah. Not like super sharp. Mm-hmm. Like, but like my, I think this is slightly round. Like your, this D20, I think is a sl- slightly rounder edges than, than the D20 I normally use. Yeah. That being said, there are some that it's like sharp enough to where like you can almost chip away at it. Sure, you know? sure. Um, it, I would say it probably depends on the die. I would love a D20 that was super sharp. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen one that was like super sharp. Yeah. But uh, like I have I have a couple D12s that are like a clear green plastic. Yeah, yeah. No, sure. yeah that. And those ones like the edges are like really sharp. Yeah. It's almost like they forgot to, to polish it or something. Right, yeah. But... If I had a D20 like that, I think that'd be really cool to, mm. to use, but I don't know. Anyway, anyway, so. <laughs> we could talk about dice all day. <laughs> I guess. So anyway, uh, yeah, that, uh, I don't think there's a right, there's no right or wrong answer. We're just curious what, uh, what your opinions are. So. I mean, obviously there's a right answer. We both have it. The... We have an answer that is right for us. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's two for two right there. Like, you know, two for two, uh, you know, two out of two people who have answered this question. <laughs> Sure. Have sure. picked the D12. All right. Right all now, right. that is the right answer. I guess. <laughs> so anyway, uh, now that we've finished with our questions for the week, let's uh, let's wind down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> let's sit back. Let's relax. Let's remember those that have come before us and died so that we may have a better world to live in as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre. So this one was submitted by Stranger371 on Reddit. And the story goes as follows. Got turned to stone. Bit by bit, the GM gave me a lot of rolls because he was scared to kill me. I failed all of them. Oh. I deserved that death. <laughs> so let's raise a glass in honor of the player that scared the GM to death. Clink. Clink. All right, that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, on Reddit at r slash interpartyconflict, on our interparty Discord, or on Twitter at inpartyconflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where we play video games. Yes. Check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you'd like to submit your own childhood memories of going to the arcade, record them or write them to me at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. 
Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time, give us your feedback. We can take it. There you go. Thank you.